Welcome, Bomber fans, to this special edition of the Essendon Board Podcast. I'm the Prosecutor, and this week's edition of the podcast, we'll be talking all things Asada. Nothing is off-limits in this edition as we look at the key players in the saga, what has unfolded, what the outcome may be, and general drugs in sport talk. We'll also be looking at the media and opposition fan contributions to this saga, from Barrett to Wilson and all so-called journalists in between, we'll prosecute them all. As with every complex story, it's always best to start from the beginning, and that being the now infamous press conference on the February 5th, where David Evans announced that the Essendon Football Club will be requesting the assistance of the Australian Sport Anti-Doping Authority to investigate the club's 2012 supplement program after disturbing news was made aware to the club's administration within the 48 hours previous to the press conference. This press conference was followed by a joint press conference by the Australian Crime Commission, the ACC, and ASADA on February 7th in what, was now, in what is now dubbed the darkest day in Australian sporting history, as the ACC, with the assistance of ASADA, compiled a report into widespread drug use and corruption throughout the major sporting codes of Australia. The man seemingly at the centre of the investigation is a man by the name of Stephen Dank, a man who was employed as a self-titled sports scientist who came to the club at the recommendation of the head of the fitness department, Dean Robertson, who is affectionately known as The Weapon. Dank, having previously worked for Manly, Cronulla and the Gold Coast, while also advising Robinson daily during his tenure at Geelong. Through leaked emails, it is evident that Stephen Dank came into the club with the mandate to fast-tracking the physical development of the playing list in 2012, while adhering to the three main criteria as stipulated by James Hurd. The criteria being as follows. 1. The player's welfare was the number one priority. 2. All supplements were ticked off by ASADA. And 3. That everything was to be ticked off by the club doctor. Since then, it has emerged that an unknown, amount of quanti- oh, an unknown quantity of players, including Captain Job Watson, were likely administered an anti-obesity drug by the name of AOD-9604. Much debate has since followed as to the leg- legality of this substance, which led to WADA issuing a statement on April 22 which stated, quote, AOD-9604 is a substance still under preclinical and clinical development and has not been approved for therapeutic use by any government health authority in the world. Therefore, under the 2013 Prohibited Substances and Methods list, the substance falls into the Section 0 category, end quote. Following from Wada's statement, it has emerged that Asada's lead investigator has described the chances of a successful prosecution against AOD-9604 to be very, very, very low. It has also emerged that confusion over the status of AOD-9604 had reigned during the 2012 and the beginning of 2013. As suggestions emerged that Asada issued incorrect or incomplete advice to athletes and club officials during the above time period, in which case it would be unlikely that Asada would pursue the players or club over any use of AOD-9604. However, the club's problems don't end with AOD-9604. Two other, su- two other substances, hexarelin and thymosin, now seem to form the basis of concern for the club. Both substances fall under Section 2 of WADA's prohibited list as performance-enhancing drugs. In the case of hexarelin, Dank claims to have injected multiple coaches, including James Hurd and assistant coach Simon Goodwin, with the substance. Claims strongly rejected by James Hurd. 
It was also revealed that an invoice existed at the club for the purchase of the substance. However, it is believed that the club was reimbursed for this order in the form of credit and the product returned. The matter of Phymosin is a bit more complex. There are currently two variants of Phymosin, a banned variant known as Phymosin Beta 4 and a legal variant known as Phymosin Alpha 1. Which substance was taken is unclear, as consent forms shown by the players showed that Phymosin was used as a broad term and did not identify which specific substance. Those strong circumstantial evidence provided by the age suggests that the banned variant may be the one used. The potential outcomes of this investigation are virtually limitless, with the common proposed penalties varying between a financial penalty, the loss of draft picks, the loss of premiership points, and the suspension of plays for up to two years. Whatever that may be, will likely be revealed when ASADA announces the findings of its near six-month investigation within the coming weeks. What is certain at this stage is that serious failures in governance occurred during the 2012 season. In response, David Evans and the board commissioned an investigation to be undertaken by Dr Ziggy Switzkowski in order to understand just how these failures were allowed to occur. On the 6th of May, Dr Ziggy Switzkowski delivered his report in which he identified a, quote, a pharmacological experimental environment never adequately controlled or challenged or documented within the club in the period under review, end quote. The report ultimately led to the resignation of club CEO Ian Robson, who resigned on the 22nd of May and was replaced in the interim capacity by Ray Gunston. Robson, Robson has since taken up the position of CEO at Melbourne Victory, as it stands, Robson, along with Dankin Robinson, of which the latter still remains on Essendon's payroll, have been the major casualties of this program, despite constant calls of media personalities such as Caroline Wilson and Patrick Smith for James Hurd to fall on his sword. With the eve of home and away season approaching and finals on the horizon, Essendon fans and indeed sporting fans countrywide await the delivery of the Asada investigation, due to be delivered within the next couple of weeks to see the full extent of just what has unfolded at Essen in 2012. To help me dissect all of these issues, I'm happy to welcome my fellow Essendon posters F-Dog and Raskolnikov to discuss all the complexities surrounding the investigation. To begin with, we'll take a look at the key personnel, beginning with the senior coach James Herb. So I'll start with you F, what role did you think James Herb played in this, and what do you think of the treatment he's received in the media? Um... I reckon he's been unfairly dealt with, to be honest. Like, sure, he wanted to, he wanted to gain an edge like all coaches do. I doubt you'll find a club in the in the world, a professional club in the world, who won't be trying to find new stuff to give themselves an advantage, and he's. He was given the all-clear by Dank yeah, that these uh, supplements were uh, were all-clear f- from Asada. Admittedly, he has been a bit negligent, but still, yeah, if you if you pay uh, somebody to do this job, you expect them to do it well. And, yeah. Yeah, well, um... It's, it's an interesting thing, because uh, I don't know how you can call it 
because a lot of people like to call it, you know, systematic doping in um in an effort to cheat. But if you've gone, if he's gone, he set out the guidelines that everything must be within uh, WADA anti-doping guidelines, and they've contacted Asada over supplements and they've given them all clear. I can see how it's cheating. And even still, if he's done that, like, there was a ridiculous article on James Heard back in, before the Fremantle game, which obviously followed with an outburst of emotion. But it was the article by, again, I think it might have been Caroline Wilson or the Age Investigative Journalist. But it was surrounding the use of, I think it was Herexalin by the coaches. Uh, and yeah. it wasn't illegal. It's not illegal for coaches to use unless on match day, I believe. But, um, again, it was just these sort of things from Fairfax in particular, which has surprised me that, um, are really attacking the character of Herd and, um, it's almost, they've had a similar sort of things in the past where they set a target, the media, as in, obviously they had Robson and, um, they have a couple others like Mark Thompson at the start, which is another story. We'll get to that when we get back to Caroline Wilson, but, uh, where they have these targets and, you know, James Hurd's obviously the golden boy. He's seen as the golden boy from the outside. And it's become a point where James Hurd is sort of like the, uh, the where the trenches are being dug, so to speak, where the defence has been set up. And, you know, if you go for James Hurd, you're going after Essendon, in a sense, with this personal crusade. So um, it's interesting how the media actually have used James Hurd as his figure and have just unrelenting in their attack of him, especially Fairfax. And I think it's getting to the point where it's going beyond reporting to just presenting an agenda and using journalism as a fabrication of that. I don't know about you guys, but I think just the treatment of James Heard as an individual, despite the lack of real evidence to suggest he's actually being willfully negligent, is um, absurd, to be honest. It'd be interesting if it was another club, what the... Um coach would have been put through it just seems like because it was james heard that he was um was it was an open day to have a go at him because uh other supporters know how highly james heard is held amongst the Essendon club and so it was they saw it as a chance to bring the club down whereas if it had been another club who had a much lower profile coach it wasn't as intricately tied up with the club as James Erd is with Essendon, whether he'd been put, put would be put through that. And I know that a lot of other uh, opposition supporters say that Essendon have almost a cult-like uh, reverence to James Heard. And I don't know whether it's true or not. I know that Un- is, undoubtedly uh, there's you know a large amount of faith placed in him, but whether that you know becomes a cult personality sort of complex, that's a different question. Yeah. But, um, it, yeah, you're right about how this would be done at other clubs. Not to say that you know, James Heard is only being victimised because he's Essendon, but it'd be interesting to see, you know, if this happened at Collingwood, whether, say, Eddie Maguire might be the main target of a, of an agenda, so to speak, or um, if you went to... Well, if, even if you went to other clubs, like, I'm trying to think of them, like, David, um, if you went to Port Adelaide and they would, they might have maybe targeted David Koch instead of a Ken Hinckley. Yeah. Yeah. So, or and even, I, or even a Malcolm Blight at Gold Coast instead of McKenna. Yeah. So it's yeah. an interesting I, question. I noticed a um, post on uh, the main board on Big Forty today that by a Collingwood supporter saying um, he doesn't understand the 
way that Essendon supporters have been backing Hurt. He said that if Collingwood were involved in the situation and all that the only consequence they had was the removal of the coach, then that'd be basically jumping up and down with joy. And he doesn't understand why we see the need to defend Hurt so much. Yeah, but that's piss easy to say for an opposition supporter, though. And I guess it's the same thing that's always happened to um in any of these sagas. sagas. Like, it's it's easy to lob grenades in there, and it's point scoring. That's all it is. But if yeah. the shoe was on the other foot, it probably would be the exact reverse scenario. Like, if it was Collingwood, would probably be calling for Buckley and Maguire's head as opposed to, you know, sort of this due process sort of line. That's not to say that, you know, um, we're wrong when we call for due process, but it's a passionate game and a point scoring, especially in a football forum, for God's sake, is very much... Um, sort of the name of the game when it comes to dealing with opposition supporters. Yeah. But, um, okay, so we'll move on from James Hurd. Uh, we'll go on to... We'll go on to Ian Robson. But in any case, he's been the major... Uh, he's been the major casualty in this investigation who handed in his resignation after um, it was revealed in Switzkowski report that the CEO was ultimately responsible for... Uh, knowing the day-to-day business of the football club. So, I guess, what are our thoughts on Ian Robson? Was he negligent in his duties? Was he a scapegoat? Or was he just not an Essendon... Well, I guess that's a scapegoat, but was he just unlucky, I guess? So, uh, do you want to go first, Rusky? Yeah, I don't know that he was... Um, I don't know that we ever really know until the whole case is... Um over and all the um, consequences have been um, played out, uh, whether he, what his role was in it. Um, but I think in a way, at the moment, I see him as probably a bit um, negligent. Uh, I think that surely they, even if it's proven that when we come through unscathed and we're vindicated, I think that there has to there should have been a bigger uh, element of accountability um, by him. I think that the whole fact that we're going through this as a club is makes uh, I just makes me think that there was some kind of negligibility going on. Not necessarily not illegal, but just. Mm things weren't done probably the way they should have been done. I guess it all comes back to the um, infamous letter now from uh, Dr. Reed that's gone missing. And I don't know, that would be very interesting to find out if we ever do find out what actually happened to that letter. And, yeah. I mean, even if, you know, even if he wrote a letter, the fact is that, not that we know, uh, we don't know if this didn't happen, but nothing has suggested so far that uh, Dr. Bruce Reed didn't actually go to Ian Robson explain his um his misgivings about the program face to face. And yeah. I think I mean, if Robson isn't approachable like that, then I think he got problems in the first place as well. But um yeah. what about you, F? What did you think about uh Ian Robson's dismissal or resignation? Um I thought I thought I thought it was good. He there was stuff up at a managerial level at some point, and, well, we're a sort of club that uh, uh, the buck stops at the top, and uh, managerially, 
Robson's at the top. Yep. I really appreciate what he's done for the Essendon Football Club. He's been immense. He's increased uh, our funding uh, into the uh, football department while posting profits, something Peter Jackson could never do. He, he was a really good CEO, except he managed uh, the whole thing. Uh, the whole thing poorly, in my opinion. Exactly. I think he was, uh, for the most part, a very successful and a very invigorating uh, CEO. But, however, he had he failed once. And in such a, you know, Essendon's a $65 million club. And yeah. something, it's just those one little mistakes that can set the um, ship off course and veer it into an iceberg. So um, it's unfortunate because he was fantastic for the most part, but, you know, these yeah. things happen and like, ultimately he's got to take responsibility, which he did. And I think the fact that uh, Melbourne Victory were very uh, very willing to hire him says a lot too that, you know, it wasn't... The supplement program in its entirety wasn't his fault. It was just the slight governance issue that he didn't know about it. And, I mean, I say slight and probably people get their back up over that, but the fact is... It was a slight sort of thing. Like it's that is day to day stuff. Like you can't know everything that, that happens with the players and all that sort of stuff. And eventually, you have got to have a bit of trust. He probably no doubt knew about the supplement program in a broad sense, but no doubt he didn't know the specifics. So yeah. I feel sorry for him, but it, it's a tough world. And I think it just had to happen. I think he realised that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, we'll move on to David Evans now. Um, obviously the president of the club, the chairman of the board. Uh, I think he's been fa- uh, fantastic throughout this, to be honest. Um, I think he's the one staff member who's come out of this, maybe not in opposition eyes, but at least in Essendon eyes, to be, you know, he's come out favor- more favourable than when he started. Um, I think he's fantastic. he's been fantastic since the breaking of the scandal, um, dealing with uh, everything that needs to be dealing with in a, you know, efficient brutal fashion where needed to be and I personally hope he gets re-elected and I think he will to be honest so, I think um, he's been a strong leader in it all um, I think he's really you know um, held the club together and uh, been a uh, big um, link between the club and the supporters and kept the supporters in touch as much as he possibly can um, through the whole ordeal and I can't really remember exact details of a speech that he gave a couple of weeks ago, but it was on the Essendon website, uh, just reassuring the fans that everything was all right. And it just came across as not just a um, piece of fluff sort of speech, but a very genuine one, one that gave us the supporters a lot of reassurance. He comes across as a man who no, who seems like he's in control. Yeah. So he doesn't look out of his depth. He looks calm, confident, and knows what he needs to do. And I don't think yeah. you can really underestimate how much that's needed in a time like this for the football club. All right, so we'll move on to we'll move on to Stephen Dank. We'll get this over with. It's the elephant in the room. I think we'll tie him in with um, Robinson, to be honest, because, I mean, um, with various roles and various... Um, very, yeah, various roles to play out in this saga and to varying degrees. So, um, start with Stephen Dank. Uh, I'm just going to state the obvious. How the hell did we let him into our club? Well, I, I just 
don't comprehend. I mean, he's been sacked pretty much... He got sacked from the Gold Coast after about six weeks. He was left very, very um, bad terms at Cronulla, I believe it was. And from obviously from the statement Essendon released the other day, it was at the urging of Dean Robinson. But I mean, what? how did he pass? Surely we would have screened him before we said to Robinson, yep, bring him in. Surely. Well, you'd think so. Um, you'd hope so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, I just don't know whether... And I'm probably not 100% up with this in my own knowledge of the situation, but isn't it the fact that if he... Um, if it's fair proven, that it looks like it has been, that this was um, this supplement was not prohibited at the time, does that put him in the clear? What, what else has he done to the club to actually... Uh, that was of his own negligence or... Um, Apparently, he might uh, be in a bit of trouble in regards to the misuse of the club's funds. Potentially, yeah. potentially he might be up on assault charges or something similar if he administered Haraxalan to James Heard without his knowledge. That's a potential. But there's a lot of... That, that will come out in due course, but... Um, if he's administered a substance to James Heard without telling him what it was, and, he, and he, he's admitted that publicly that he gave Haraxalan to him, then he could potentially be done for assault because, you know, it's... So Danks got a lot of issues, and that's just a Essendon and because, I mean, you go back to Canala as well, and apparently he has um, ties to bikies in Melbourne, specifically a few of those at, I think it's Doherty's Gym, so um, I think Dank's got a lot to worry about, and I wouldn't be expecting him to speak to Asada, Asada unless compelled. And even then, I don't think he's going to go in lightly. I think he's going to be lawyering. He'll, he'll lawyer up, and um, he'll be yeah, he'll be dragged in, kicking and screaming. So he, I think Dank's in a lot of trouble. I think he knows that. I think he's just you know sort of um. Uh, pushing the chest out and hoping for the best, really. So, um, yep. it's, it just boggles my mind, though, that he was allowed into the club. Yeah. And it boggles the mind, too, how this one man went from... Because no one knew who he was before this saga. Like, no Essendon supporter had any idea who was at the club or who he was. Yet, um, no, I haven't heard of him before. Yet the whole this, thing. Yeah, this guy has been... I don't want to say single-handedly, but a large part of perhaps the biggest scandal in VFL, AFL football. It just boggles the mind, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And um, To be uh, fair, how many club supporters know their sports science stuff? Oh, definitely, but I guess the difference in this case was that um, it appears that Dank was such a vital part of the um, fitness team because obviously we all knew about the weapon and he just became a uh, self-parody in the end. But um, he's right-hand man and what appears like, you know, the most vital man in the fitness department just was a completely unknown person. But, um, I mean, there's so much, though, 
we can't really talk about because we just don't know what actually happened. Because, I mean, this he, our whole outlook on Dank might change based upon one conversation with Asada and, you know, the different wording of a sentence. So it's hard to really say with him, but I guess the only thing we can really comment on is how he got employed in the first place, which is, I guess, one of those things that was addressed in the Switzkowski report, probably in the more detailed version. But, you know, um, we'll move on from that. And I think the same with Robinson. It's a bit... um. There's not much you can really say about him because you don't really know if this was Dank's operation or what Robinson's involvement was. And to be honest, he's kept pretty quiet over the whole thing. Um, yeah. Credit to him for that. Yeah. I think he's smart enough to realise that putting himself in the public light's only going to make him the face of it. He's better off to um, sit back, take his payout from Essendon because he's still, he's still being paid from memory. Yeah, he is. He's still on the payroll. He's just not going to be coming back. So, I mean, why wouldn't you just sit back, really? He's spoken to Asada. He doesn't have to do anything more, and he's just keeping quiet. I've got no doubt he's distressed, and I think he didn't intend for it to get to this stage, but, you know, it happens. And I guess that throws up questions about what happened at Geelong, too. Because I have no doubt that they would have taken similar supplements at um, Geelong, but, of course, the... Section zero didn't come in until 2011, so yeah, it'd be very interesting. I think it's one of the reasons too why I think the AFL would be very, very nervous if Dank is um, compelled to be questioned. Well, it could um, bring the whole Geelong uh, regime down, and um, I don't know. It's just um, could be a whole Melbourne Storm uh, thing over again, where. Um, a club is basically stripped of its premierships. If it came down that um, Geelong was just as culpable as Essendon were in the whole thing, if um, it gets proven that there were illegal things going on, it's just, it'd be very interesting to see what happened. Because as um, I don't think they'd be in that much trouble, but if they're taking the same supplements as Essendon did, despite you know perhaps the legality of them then. Then it just leaves such a sour taste in the mouth, though. But um, we'll move on. We might we might um brighten the mood up a bit, and we'll talk about journalists for the time being, and we'll tie that. In. We'll start with Caroline Wilson, shall we? Everyone's favourite. Yay! Um, I'm trying to think of a um I'm trying to think of a witty uh, segment title because you know you got Carrie's Arrow and all that sort of stuff, but um can't think of any to be honest. It's just ah. <laughs> uh, can't think of anything. I'm trying to think of prosecutor references and all that sort of stuff, but it's not coming to me, so we'll get straight into it. Um, obviously, uh, Caro strongly refutes uh, James Hurd's assertion that her article is factually incorrect. Her latest one, at least. You know, there's normally a weekly one. I actually... To be honest, I feel sorry for her husband. Not because of who she is, but... The fact he's he's uh, her husband is actually an Essendon supporter. I don't know if you knew that. Um, but I didn't even know, know she had a husband. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, she has a husband who is, by all reports, an actual is actually an Essendon supporter. And I don't know about you, but imagine if you had Caroline Wilson coming back to your place every night after she's just written that article. I can imagine he'd be a very henpecked husband. Oh, he must have a lot of patience. 
Yeah. Um, oh, or you can just tell where um, he's pissed Caro off because the next day there'll be an article on Essendon. <laughs> so whatever happens, he's obviously not doing something right on Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's, it's an interesting one, and I raised it on the main board podcast last night where these days the lines between a reporter and an opinion writer is getting very much blurred. I think Carol, Caroline Wilson is one of those... Um, she's the protege for that... Um, oh, the prototype for that because she reports, but she inputs her agendas and her opinions into it as well. Yeah. So, you know, she'll she'll come off as reporting facts, but she's merely giving her opinion. And it's really frustrating. And Carol is an interesting one because we all love it when, you know, when she's giving it to North or she's giving it to Carlton or Melbourne or something like that. I'd say, you know, we love it when she gives it to Richmond, but we all know she doesn't give it to Richmond, does she? Um, So, but it's when she attacks you, you really start to understand how frustrating she is because she's, in a technical sense, she's a brilliant writer. Like, as in, from a theoretical point of view, but the substance in the article, of course, is a different matter. I think that's what the main concern with Caro is. So, um... I must admit, I really did like uh, Essendon's statement yesterday. I don't think... Um, I don't think they'll go down the legal route with it, to be honest. I think that was just a bit of a... You're on notice. Pretty much calling Caro's bluff, and I think she called it back. So, you know, it might be a bit of back and forth there. But um, I guess she's symptomatic of the media these days where... It's the here and now and call for their head straight away and then worry about the repercussions and the facts later. Yeah. Uh, well, it's really interesting that I've been on Big Footy for over 10 years and um, the whole time she's never had a good reputation on Big Footy. But I found it really interesting today that uh, Bomber Swarm 2, who's now been banned, actually God. started on the main board that about Caroline Wilson. Yeah. And it was a total turnabout on the uh, turnaround on behalf of the opposition supporters. And it was a very dumb thread to start. But I had to laugh at the way that the last 10 years has been really uh, almost joking about Caroline Wilson and her journalism and her um, professionalism. But because she's targeted Essendon, she's now come off as a great white hope amongst opposition supporters. Yeah, it's it's just selective... Um selective quotes and all that sort of stuff and it's happened all the time it's happened always in the Asada forums as well on both sides that is because Essendon supporters are just as guilty as um, opposition supporters and that's just you know purely picking and choosing when to believe a reporter like you know we're all happy to believe Damien Barrett well not all of us but as in but we're all happy to uh, believe Damien Barrett when he's got the positive news but when it's negative news it's just like oh, Damien Barrett you know he's useless and all that sort of stuff but um Actually, I'm going to take a point of indulgence here. I'm going to do the prosecutor slam. I'm I'm going to prosecute Damien Barrett here, and it's over this. It's it's semi related to the Asada investigation in a very very um tangible way. But um, in his sliding doors article the other week, where he had the, you know it's disgraceful that Essendon supporters boo West Coast. You know, Brett Stanton hasn't for, uh, forgot. Well, if you've got kids at home and you're listening to this. Cover their ears right now because I'm going to go on an absolute rage here. And this is probably going to have to be edited out. But anyway, Damien Barrett, go f*** yourself. 
Essendon supporters never booed him. He was he received a mild Bronx cheer when he left the grounds after being subbed. Now, Essendon supporters at the time didn't know he was uh, subbed off with injury, and, you know, we shouldn't have Bronx cheered him. But I didn't Bronx cheer him personally, but even still, it was he wasn't booed. I doubt he's actually thinking about it now. And even still, what club doesn't Bronx cheer people? I mean, there was a thread started on the main board by um, NBA Man 1 in which he goes, um, you know, Brent Stanton, rah, 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 hypocritical. Well, someone pointed out to him that it was just a Bronx cheer or something like that. Or, no, they pointed out to him that um, Lockie Henderson copped a bit of treatment from Carlton supporters. And his justification was that um, M- um, Henderson was just Bronx cheered. Well, hello, world. So is Brent Stanton. I've got no idea how that keeps being brought up as hypocritical by Essendon supporters. So, Damien Barrett, watch a bloody game for once and don't join this bandwagon. I'd say you're better than that, but you're not. <laughs> Back to other things, anyway. Um, so, you know, um, Essendon supporters and opposition supporters, very selective with their quotes and... I guess it's another example, too, with Caro recently, where if it's not your team, then she's fine. I think that was the same with the Melbourne saga, too. Melbourne supporters hated her during that, but afterwards now they're all on the main board singing her praises. I don't know about you. I guess that's what you've been noticing, too, there, Rasky. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's just um, quite funny that they'll change... A lot of the opposition supporters on the main board will change their tune um, if... It's concerns Essendon that, uh, and I guess we do that a lot too with yeah. opposition with clubs. But it's just funny that they're so um, fragile and willing to change according to the um, circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we'll move on from uh, Caro, and we'll move on. I'm going to move on to one of my favourites, and that man is the one and only John Ralph, or as oh, fog God. as fog dog. Um, or Flog Dog, as the main board likes to call him. Um, and I think he put it most eloquently today on Bromwood Blitz. I don't know if you saw it, but he described John Ralph as Caroline Wilson with a vagina. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. And I'd say that's a pretty bloody apt comparison. Um, he's just comes off as the most wannabe, sensationalist hack I've ever seen. I don't know if you saw his article. I think it was today. Uh, or even yesterday when he was hedging bets with um, Jared Waitley's statement by saying um, apparently, you know, he's canvassed a fan in the outer and apparently, you know, Essendon, would rather, Essendon fans would rather lose, uh, be punished in 2013 and start with a clean slate. Well, for God's sake, what is he canvassed Essendon, uh, Essendon fan? He said fan in the outer. Well, for God's sake. That's apparently now one fan, one Essendon fan out there is apparently, you know, can be extrapolated to represent the whole Essendon group. And it, oh, the yeah, mind boggles how sh- John Ralph, yeah, is symptomatic of everything that's wrong with this. You know, sensationalist, uh, sensationalist journalist, if you want to call him a journalist, who focuses purely on um, the headline of the now, doesn't care about what he said in the past, doesn't care if he contradicts himself. Just is in there for a headline, a cheap thrill from trolling other clubs, and again, he's another Richmond supporter, shock jock when it comes to journalism. Uh, journalists, which is, you know, won't see a bad uh, Richmond article from him, but it's just frustrating and 
the fact that he's in such a position to not just with Essendon but clubs in general where he can just write this tripe and gather headlines off it. It's frustrating. He's everything that I think is wrong with the journalist uh, journalism industry as it is. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Sorry. Um, Yeah, I just don't read the Herald Sun. It's just easier that way. To be honest... um, Oh, we go on. I I only... What I read are the cartoons in the age and uh, uh, Emma Quayle's draft profiles and sometimes uh, a match report in the age and that's it. Yeah, it's, it's just I would easier. read I would read um real football or real footy, whatever they call it, a lot more if they got a improved uh, user interface. Do you mean inside football? No, as in real footy is in the ages football site. Oh yeah. If okay. they if they had an improved user interface, like if they had the Herald Sun's interface, because they have a good interface, I'll give them that. If they had that, I'd probably use it more, but just for pure ease. I seem to always click on the Herald Sun. That's not to say that I actually, um, you know, pay for their subscription. I do the old Google technique, but um, I don't know. In case uh, the Google uh, technique doesn't work for anyone out there, just change the um, Herald Sun part in the link to news.com.au and you're all set. Um, But just the age is... When it's not even just the um, interface as well, but the standard of reporting seems to be dropping there as well. They've got Emma Quayle there, Rowan Connolly, um, Jack Neal. Uh, they've got a few quality reporters, but unfortunately they've got the likes of Caro, who, you know, no doubt she's the most highest paid journalist in um, the industry. And that's purely based on the fact she gets headlines for writing crap about clubs. And it's disappointing. It really is. Alright, so... Go on. I was reading the other day that the the Herald Sun has an average reading age of uh, seven, I think, so that a seven-year-old could actually quite easily read the Herald Sun. Yeah, and it's it's designed that way. That's why they have stuff like, you know, one sentence uh, per line and things like that. Because it is how it's to develop. Because, um, and I mean, I don't know if people know, but I do study journalism at university. And it's how you're taught to because cause you obviously want, as a news website, especially an online hub, you want people to be able to read it and understand it. And that's yeah. one of the reasons, differences between tabloids and, you know, the old age broadsheet and all that sort of stuff is in the different sort of things. Um, yeah. And obviously the Herald Sun's meant to be easily digested. And I guess that's another reason why you go back to the Herald Sun is because, you know, it's a quick, nice, easy article to read, you know, so, but I think we're moving off the topic of the Asada investigation there. So, um, I want to talk about one other journalist too, who I think has been harshly dealt with by the fact he's an Essendon supporter. I think that's Mark Robinson. You know, he's, in the true sense of a word, he's not the best journalist. He really isn't. Um, but, Talking writer. But um, he is... I don't think he's... I think he's been pretty impartial either way. He's called Essendon out when he's needed to, and he's um, defended the club where he's needed to, too. And I think he's one of those old-fashioned journalists who takes people on their word. Yeah. 
which is yeah. it would have been a very difficult position. Like on one hand, he'd want you know want to support his club, but on the other hand, wanted to report what he knows about what's going on. And you now, if I was in the same position, you know, you'd, I'd want to protect my club as much as I could, and it would be very hard to remain impartial. And I think it's copped it from both sides. It's copped it from opposition supporters who say that he's just trying to defend Essendon and protect Essendon. And he's and copped it from the Essendon sports too, yeah. So he's in yeah. a very difficult position. Yeah, and I think um, I think you only have to watch 360 semi-regularly to see that he really doesn't let on that he's an Essendon man. Like, he has on a couple of occasions, you know, said that he's an Essendon supporter. But even still, when discussions turn to... He's not... like You look at Jared Waitley and he's very, very open about his Geelong um, fanaticism. And I think uh, Robbo, when it comes to impartiality, has been very harshly dealt with. And I think he's been, for the most part, pretty reasonable throughout the whole thing. Having said that, as a journalist, I think he leaves a lot to be desired. But I think he's an honourable one at that. Mm, yeah. Um, is there any other journalist you had in mind that you wanted to grill, praise, be neutral about? Um... I don't know if you classify him as a um, journalist, but I think Sam Newman has been very um, good in terms of um, supporting Essendon and telling things from uh, a more neutral perspective. Um, he's always good to listen to on the footy show and he's been quite um, supportive of us and I think a lot of people see him as a clown, uh, but I think he's actually a very intelligent man and... I think he speaks a lot of truth. Yeah, I think people um, really struggle to separate the on-stage persona of Sam Newman and the actual very smart, intelligent man that's underneath. Yeah. Because, I mean, um, one of the most... uh, the best sort of exchanges I've seen uh, this year in this whole um, saga is when um, he baited Damien Barrett into... which he loves doing, actually. It's pretty funny. Um... I don't watch the footy show, to be honest. I just see the YouTube clips afterwards. I'm one of those ones who say they don't see it and legitimately haven't seen it. But um, there was the... Um, I got shown the conversation where Damien Barrett's like... Um, oh, Sam Newman's like, oh, so does this make him more guilty or less guilty? And he's like, mm, I don't... And then, you know, Damien Barrett gave his whole sort of smug sort of, you know, he's guilty sort of thing, whereas... Sam Newman interjected with the whole, you know, that's crap, he's innocent till guilty, and, you know, he's no more guilty than he was yesterday, he's still innocent. Yeah. And I think um, it's exchanges like that that really show Sam's um, very intelligent underneath, and I think it really does show how hollow, though, the media is, where, you know, he's not innocent till proven guilty, he's guilty until they can't say that he's innocent, um, can't say that he is. Yeah, that's right. But um, I think we'll... if. I think we'll get off the media for now. Um, I think we'll talk about the end game when it comes to this side of thing and what we think the outcome will be. Now, uh, there was a stage there where it seemed like premiership points, draft picks and defined would be perhaps the eventual punishment. However, with the uh, revelation that AOD 9604 may not have actually been prohibited, it looks likely that it will be a fine and draft picks under the AFL's catch-all bringing the game into disrepute charge. So, um, yeah. I guess we'll, I'll start with you, F. What do you think, uh, what do you think will come out of this investigation and what do you think Essendon's punishment, if any, will be? 
if we're found guilty of the AOD, I think we'll get a fight. We'll get $2 million fine and lots of first and second round draft picks. If we're found... I do not think under any circumstances that we'll lose draft picks. As in over multiple years? Oh, no, any premiership points. Oh, premiership, yep. Yeah. See, because I I get frustrated when people bring up the uh, example from Melbourne Storm uh, in the context of the Essendon investigation, because fair enough if um, they stripped 2012 and all that sort of stuff, but... Melbourne Storm lost points in the 2010 season they were currently playing because they were over the cap that year. Whereas people argue that Essendon is obviously, you know, benefiting from the supplement program still this year. But then again, if they're benefiting this year, when does it stop? Yeah. So I don't know how you can take points off this year for saying that they're receiving an advantage and then allow them to be playing for the other year until all the players on the current list are retired. So, mm, yeah. But um, what about you, Rasky? What do you see as um, the likely outcome of this investigation? Uh, I'll definitely agree that I don't lose premiership points. Probably a couple months ago, I wasn't so sure, but I've sort of um, changed my mind and think that we won't lose premiership points but I think yeah we'll cop a big fine um, and possibly loss of draft picks I don't think or especially after the news that came to light the other night I don't think any players will be sanctioned so probably I'd say a fine and possibly some draft picks yeah um, I said it in the thread but I don't know about you guys but if we lose points I'll be absolutely devastated because we haven't won a final since 2004, and this year looks like our best chance, easily our best chance since then. Um, yeah. And if that got taken away from us, you know, people say, oh, you know, it's just one season, but it would hurt. It it would be absolutely devastating to the club, its supporters, the players, and the administration. So yeah. I'm, I'm confident that it won't happen. I'm getting more confident that it won't happen. But even still, the thought of it is pretty distressing I'd say well I think what's more distressing in, or even more distressing is the fact that it, like it's going it's almost finals time it's only a few weeks away to the finals if we if they had told us we're going to lose premiership points halfway through the season like maybe you know it wouldn't have been so bad but if they tell us the night before we're due to play our finals that you know sorry you're not participating this year then I would be so angry yeah it's um uh, reading the um a, a thread that shall not be named I think we all know which one it is just imagine apostrophe um, where they were talking about opening the North Melbourne Social Club and having the bloody on the night before finals and having our announcement screen live there and yeah. the thought of well not not the actual bloody North Social Club thing but the thought of having you know the points taken off on the eve of finals really is painful especially with the you know the very likely chance that Carlton will be ninth. Yeah. My God, if we lose out to finals to them, I'm going down to the AFL with a pitchfork. Yeah. And mm. or um, a flaming torch. We'll decide that if that happens. But you know. But for um, for now, um, I think we'll end on let's end let's end on a high note, and uh, 
I was suggested on the Asada board that uh, a drinking game could be made out of this. Uh, it's been started by Lance, and he, to posters who state obvious stuff like, AOD's not improved under Section Zero, he would reply with drink. Um, RFC Tiger 74 jumped on that bandwagon and started the list. Don't know about you guys, but for the next Essendon uh, Bigfooty meetup, I think we should get a drinking game going for um, the Insider investigation. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, sounds good. Um, it, you know, sit there for half an hour, read through a thread, get someone to read through a thread, and every time uh, one of those references uh, come up, yeah, drink, Stephen Dank, drink, jab, drink, drink, drink. But um, I don't know about you. I'm really looking forward to it now, and I think uh, the next one was being talked about before the Carlton game. So, mm. if anyone's still listening to this point, by all means, start trying to plan up a drinking game revolving around the Asada investigation, and I'll be forever in debt. But um, I think that's all about we have time for now. Uh, we've gone over a lot of things. Uh, couldn't go over everything, obviously. It's such a big scandal, and we don't know exactly what's actually happened, or there's just a lot still to play out. Um, I want to give... And that's all we have time for today, folks. There's a lot of issues to discuss. Unfortunately, we just don't have enough time to discuss them all. Um, As news comes to hand, no doubt we'll have updates in our regular podcasts. And until then, I hope you enjoyed listening today, if you're still listening to this point. And go Bombers. Thanks. And I want to thank the cast for coming in too. Thank you to Raskolnikov and F-Dog. Thank you. It's been pleasure.